0: Good morning, everyone. Happy Sunday. Would you stand with us as we worship this morning?
1: I search the. Lord, just ready for your spirit to move. God, whether we are actively engaged with you day by day, or maybe this is the first time we've stepped into church in a long time, God, we just want to ask, Lord, for our hearts to be in a posture of readiness, God, that even in the mountain and in the valley, God, that, that we know that you are present with us, that your love for us remains the same. And so, God, as we prepare for this day together of just celebrating who you are and And hearing more, God, about your son, Jesus. God, we just pray that the Holy Spirit would move in this place. God, that you would speak to us. That we would be ready, willing, and able, God, to respond to you. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Let's continue worshiping.
2: that you have sensed or felt God right here with you today. And if you didn't, can I encourage you, that's okay. He loves you with an everlasting love, whether you feel it or whether you don't. He's never far away, and he pursues us relentlessly because we are his beloved kids. And so we're going to go and take a moment to pray this morning. And I just want to invite you that if you have a need, great or small, something's weighing on your heart, please feel free to take a seat right where you're at, and people will come, put a hand on your shoulder, and pray with you. But we really do believe in prayer, and we believe in this family, and so we just want to join together in prayer this morning if you have a need. Oh God, we are so grateful for your love, a love that never changes, a love that never fails a love that is with us whether we feel you or whether we don't. But we are truly grateful for the times when we're stirred in our spirits, when our heart beats a little faster and, and our um, we get goosebumps on our arms and we know that the Holy Spirit has been working. We're grateful for those moments, Lord. Father, this morning we just want to pray for the needs represented here. We know that you love to hear When we come to you with our needs with our desires that your ears are always tuned to us and that you want to meet with us so this morning i pray for those father that have health needs god you are the great physician would you meet them would you heal their bodies would you strengthen them would you give them encouragement this morning And Father, for those with big decisions to make, God, would you lead and guide, give wisdom and discernment? Father, for those in sorrow and in grief, would you be especially close? Would you just put your arm around their shoulder and let them tangibly feel the love of Jesus this morning? Father, you walk with us through all of the hard things, and we're grateful that you never leave our side we're grateful that we always have access to you and when we don't know what to pray we are especially thankful that jesus intercedes on our behalf we are never without prayer and we want to thank you this morning and we don't just pray for our congregation but lord we pray for fruitport congregational church father would you be with their leadership would you lead them and guide them and direct them would you be with their body as they share the love of jesus with their neighbors and then around the world we pray for deb and rich steinhardt lord we pray that you would smooth out all of the visa issues that they're facing that god you would be with them and you would bring them great joy even in the midst of the hardships god we pray for traveling mercies as they move back and forth and try to uh, expedite visas and all of those kinds of things father we just pray for your presence and all of that with them we pray that you would bless their ministry well we love you thank you for being with us this morning already we praise you and it's in jesus name we pray amen well if you're here in the worship center you can take a seat i want to welcome you again we're so glad that you're here today Thank you for joining us online if you're watching us that way. We have a great service for you this morning. And if you are a guest, we especially would like to welcome you here. And we would like to get to know you a little bit better and get a gift into your hands. And we do that through the connection card. You can access that card through the QR code in the seat in front of you. Or if you're old school like me and you want to fill out a piece of paper... You can go to the connection point. It's out there in the lobby, just a little bit to my left. And um, we'd be happy to meet with you and have you fill one of those cards out. But we most especially just want to get a gift into your hands and help you take a next step here at All Shores if you are new. Well, now, as we just take a moment to thank the Lord for what he's given to us, it's with a heart of gratitude that we receive all of the blessings that he has given. And if you came prepared today to worship through giving, the ways you can do that are on the screen. There's also gift boxes in the lobby. But can I just say thank you in advance for your faithfulness, for supporting this local church. And if you are a guest, there is no expectation for you to give this morning. This is something that we do as part of our church family. It's an extension of our worship and our gratitude to the Lord. Well, as I said, we have a great service planned for you, and we have an announcement, so take a look at the screens.
1: Hey, church, we are passionate about helping people take steps deeper into the life of our church, and one of the best ways that we do that is through a process called the journey. And the journey is a four-step process that you walk through different ways that you can take steps um, into the life of our church and whether you have started that process with steps one and two or whether you haven't started any of them we're having a special opportunity Monday May 8th from 630 to 830 where we are combining steps three and four. And like I said, whether you've started the journey or whether you haven't at all, we would love to invite you to join us for step three and four of the journey Monday, May 8th. And the reason those two steps are so important for the life of our church is because step three is all about abiding, how we personally connect with God. And step four is about missional living, how we take what God is doing inside us and spread it to the world. And we feel like those are key to not only who it is to be a part of All Shores, but who it is to follow And so if you want to join us, that'll happen in West 200. We would love for you to let us know that you want to participate in that. All you have to do is register at allshores.org slash thejourney.
3: Well, Pastor Peter started us last week in this series, Who is Jesus? And he began in John 1 with a view uh, from the disciples' perspective. And today and the next few weeks, um, we'll be looking more from the perspective of the early church and Paul. And um, it's such a privilege to preach for uh, today. Uh, Dave and I have been a part of All Shores for, I don't know, more than 20 years, and um, I, we attend the Muskegon campus, so shout out to my Muskegon friends. And, uh, so, but it's just great to, to be able to be with you. And, and so I'm grateful for the opportunity to preach, but especially on this passage today. It is a favorite of mine. So let's begin in prayer, just opening, praying that God would open our hearts and minds to hear the message that he has for us today. So let's just pray. God, thank you for this church, for this body of believers who are coming together to ask you to speak to us. Um, Pray that you would open our hearts and minds to hear what you have for us today, that we would be willing to receive, and maybe there's even some who would pray for the willingness to be willing. (laughs) So meet us where we are and um, help us to um, grow in our faith and trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, well, who can tell me what this logo is? Come on. Really? I'm really surprised. But you've probably heard of it. Chat GPT? So there's this artificial intelligence thing going around, and especially the educators in the crowd will know that uh, that it's this cool thing. I don't know. I'm out of my league already. Why am I using this illustration? But it's a language model that uses predictive things. So like if you give it info then it will predict what the next words are so people you know I just after the first service somebody was telling me that they were just playing around with it yesterday it's free and you can like put in like I want to write a song and here's the song lyrics and then it'll make it'll like write lyrics for song or it'll you know it's it's just wild we live in a new world kind of thing all right so just so all you need to know is that it predicts language so I read an article a few weeks ago. That a pastor used ChatGPT to write a sermon. So, how do you think it went? So he did he you know, I mean it gave some stuff. Like it it basically it, it'll go to all the data out there and like like it it can just phenomenal research at its fingertips, well, it's AI, I don't know. But it it Basically, the sermon became just a, a list of platitudes. Like, if you went on Christian Pinterest and, like, read the top ten, you know, like, the greatest hits of, you know, it, there wasn't the personal connection. Like, there, it was basically just generalizations that anyone could preach anytime at any point in history, anywhere in the world. It felt a bit empty and generic. And so when I come to preach, I ask God to inspire me in the word to connect us here in West Michigan today. So this series is really focused on this robust Christology, like who is Jesus? But I promise we're going to get to how understanding who Jesus is matters to us today. It's not just a bunch of information isn't that cool we know it so a good a good sermon's going to have layers of understanding the context of scripture like what is god saying to that particular people in their context but then also bringing it to say what is god saying to us so connecting all of that together so that's kind of a peek behind the curtains about how I'm trying to bring scripture to us today. And I, I think of it because we are in such a theology-heavy series, really getting at, you know, who is Jesus? Like, this stuff really kind of matters that we, like, get the theology right. But we don't just stop there then. How does that impact the way we live? So a, a sermon's different than a speech in that we get to the point of, like, exhortation or encouragement to say, this isn't just about information but like the so wet question. So we will get there but we really need to start with understanding who is Jesus but who was Jesus to the church in Philippi? So we kind of have to get a little bit about who they are and I promise we'll get to why it matters to us. So Philippi was the first church in Europe. That's pretty cool, isn't it? So you've probably heard of Paul. He was one of those early church leaders, missionary types, who, like, went out and was, like, had this radical transformation of meeting Jesus, and it changed his life, and he was pumped about telling everybody about it. And he was a really good Jew who met Jesus, and so he first started with, like, telling all the Jewish people, Here's who Jesus is. We got to understand who Jesus is. But then he also started to just feel this call to people who were different from him. So he went from mainly telling Jewish congregations and Jewish groups of people to then feeling this call into what's called Gentiles in the Bible and pagans, basically, people who weren't Jewish. So he goes on this big missionary journey and ends up in Europe. In northern Greece, as we call it today, the city of Philippi. So this uh, this church, this early little church, is actually kind of like a house church. So don't think building, think community of people, and it's a pretty healthy group. There's a great like joy in in Paul writing to these people that he knows and loves. And we learn about the beginning of this church through a lot of stories in Acts 16. And we're not gonna go there today, but here's just a little sneak peek because this summer we're gonna be preaching through Acts 16. And we're gonna learn more about Paul and some of the people he encountered along the way. I'm really excited about it, if you can't tell. All right, so back to Philippi. So Philippi um, was this pagan city, it wasn't Jewish. It was culturally very diverse. It's a city of about 10,000 people in the time of, of this writing. But they, they worshipped like 35 different deities. So it wasn't that like super big, but there were just like all these gods. And this is getting to why it was important for Paul to help the church understand this is who Jesus is. Because you're getting all kinds of conflicting messages out there. Here's who Jesus is. Here's why it matters. And I also find it interesting that the big theme of the book is joy. But Paul's writing this book while he's in prison. And some of you have those stories of great trial or struggle and finding moments of joy. And I just, you know, God can do those things in the midst of great struggle. And Paul is modeling that for us here. Well, he is delighted with the church in Philippi. In fact, they have come alongside him and have sent financial support to him while he's been in prison. So this letter is is a pretty like pretty much a thank you letter to them. Um, some of the letters that Paul writes to those early churches are big corrections and like her- naming heresy and calling that out make- here this is a pretty tender Hearted. There's a little bit of conflict internally, but over, all in all, he is fond of these people, and he is really just enjoying them and saying thank you. So today we're studying, in particular, Philippians 2, verses 5 to 11, and I'll be reciting from the NIV, and you might notice if you open your Bible or even in your Bible app, likely these verses look different. So like different margins, they're like indented a little. And part of what's going on is that this scripture is a hymn, or like poetry. So even the the look in the English translation is setting it off a little bit to show that, that this is something that the early church was holding to. And here is what we believe about Jesus. So like hymns were the stained glass windows of the early church. So in Europe, in the Middle Ages, these big cathedrals had these massive stained glass windows that had pictures of Jesus' birth or of Mary or all these different important of Paul and all these church, you know, important people and even just stories through the life of Jesus um, and the Old Testament too. And, and basically they were helping people, like in, think Middle Ages, like there were a lot of illiterate people. And scripture wasn't like in book form that everybody had at home. So churches with these beautiful stained glass windows were reinforcing important theological stories and concepts of Jesus' birth. It's the incarnation, you know, important things like that. They were quite literally illuminating the important stories and theology of the Bible. So hymns, so hundreds of years before that, hymns and songs were important also for saying, this is what we believe. I'm helping to memorize these things. And this is helping us know this is, our, this is what we believe. And even today, we come to some of these songs and we're singing like, hey, this is what's true. And sometimes we come and we're like, God, remind me of what's true. I'm hurting, I'm struggling, I'm singing these in faith. Same kind of thing, All right. So that's how we're coming today. And some things I think are just best expressed in poetic language. So Philippians 2, 5 to 11. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God, God exalted him to the highest place, giving him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. So who is Jesus? He is the humble sacrificial servant, and exalted Lord. Jesus walks down the road of submission, humility, and obedience in the first half of him, the and then God exalts him in the second half. And the weight of this poem rests on the decision of the one who was all the time equal with God to become human, and to travel that road of obedience to the divine saving plan, yes, all the way to the cross. So this first section that we'll read through um, is really describing that humiliation of Christ, this downward movement. So let's read through this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Okay, we got that. Okay, who being in very nature God, downward motion that's describing the humiliation of Christ. You see, in Philippi, they were a Roman colony. So I said it was in northern Greece, which is not Italy. It's not now, and it wasn't then. But it was a Roman colony, and they were kind of proud of that. Like, they were under the jurisdiction of Rome, but they got some good, like, tax breaks and stuff like that. But the, the ruler of all is Caesar, And Caesar is the one who is commanding everything. And Caesar ruled with power. And the deities they all worshipped ruled with power. Power was actually to be used to your own advantage. And self-promotion. And no one would have expected anything else. And once again, we see Jesus' upside-down economy. Humility is the way not power. God in Jesus pursued humble service because he was equal with God. Exaltation comes through service, humility, and love. And I need to make a little theology note here. This phrase translated in verse 6 in the NIV as used to his own advantage is also translated to exploit or to be grasped or to cling to. It's getting at this concept that Jesus didn't hold on to power. It is not saying that Jesus wasn't God. <laughs> so Jesus remained divine, but he did not enact that power and in this humiliation. This is God doing what only God can do. Jesus never stopped being God. He didn't empty himself of his godness. Jesus was fully God and entitled to all of those privileges, but he also expressed his deity in humiliation and obedience of the lowliest type. Humility was regarded in the ancient world as weakness. People prized honor and fame. But Jesus modeled that the way up is down. Jesus didn't just become a servant. He was obedient to death on a cross. And crucifixion was the cruelest form of official execution in the Roman Empire. And while a Roman citizen could be crucified, it was commonly reserved for the lower classes especially slaves. So Jesus selflessly denied his rights. By step one, he made himself nothing. He emptied himself by becoming a human being, the incarnation itself, and becoming a servant. And two, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of suffering a slave's death. Whew. Okay. Okay. So there's Jesus, okay? But here is also who Jesus is. We're going to work our way up. Look what God's going to do. Therefore, God exalted him. So i got to make a big jump there, okay? That's not just a little. But God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I mean, it is just this upward exaltation of Christ. So, only God receives glory. God the Father shares his glory with his Son. And it's not that Jesus was humble and then he was exalted. These coexist in who Jesus is his humiliation and exaltation coexist. It's kind of like when Paul is writing from prison and saying, wow, joy, there's joy in God. It's these, these seemingly contradictory things are, are at the same time. His exaltation will be the ultimate completion of the universe. Everyone will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord and all for the glory of God. Everything will be made whole and new. There will be reconciliation and restoration and abundance. Right. Amen. This will be what will happen, and we are invited to join that journey along the way, modeling and being empowered by Jesus the humiliation and the exaltation. We will be there Okay, so I'm all emotional now, and some of you might be like, huh? Remind me why I should care about this. Why does it matter that Jesus was the humble, sacrificial servant and exalted Lord? And the point of this message is not to just give you some Christological data that you can spit out like chat GPT. Pastor Peter reminds us every time he preaches that sermons are not for the purpose of information or persuasion, but rather for revelation and transformation. So I think I kind of skipped over it a little earlier, but I think we need to go back to verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So verse 5, the second half, is this unity with Christ. We're having the same mindset. We're going to think like Jesus. We're going to think like him about who he is and about who we are. It's not that we just follow his example. It's that we're empowered to think and live like him. But this first part, These relationships is kind of a bridge back to the first four verses of chapter 2. And I want to highlight Philippians 2.2 because it really describes this one another thing. And it's Dave's and my wedding verse. Which is a really good one if you're thinking about getting married. Or if you even want to just think about it in the context of your marriage It's really not for a marriage thing. It's really for all believers. But it's kind of cute, right? Okay. Philippians 2.2. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in one mind. I mean, unity, 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 love, 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 one mind, one heart, one thing, We're all together, okay? I love this. Well, before our wedding, Dave and I had Philippians 2-2 engraved on the inside of our wedding rings. But Philippians is kind of a long word. So the engraver did Phil 2-2. Cute. Well, after we got married, my wedding ring engagement ring kept moving around and it was really bugging me, so I got them soldered together. And they soldered over 2-2. So then my ring said Phil. <laughs> for decades. And so I always thought that was really funny. Mommy, who's Phil? No, that never happened. But it's true that my ring said Phil for a really long time. Well, finally, Dave lost his wedding ring. He got a new one. And I was like, okay, let's get these re-engraved. So now you'd have to, like, get a uh, uh, What am I trying to say? What was that thing? Anyway, you have to, like, really look close. And it, but it does say, actually, the whole thing, Philippians 2.2. 2. It's, it's micro tiny. Um, okay, like-mindedness is the point. All right. This same love, same spirit, same purpose is why being a part of a Christian church, Christian community, mm, small group. It's really important. This is where we practice this living out. You know, groups are really in a, a great place for us to practice this with other people, where we care and we learn and we grow and we, we experience this uh, mutuality of encouraging each other in our faith, in our dailyness, in our lives. This is where we practice the call to unity with others. Well... Here's our example. Jesus, the humble, sacrificial servant. All right, let's do a little imagination. Imagine you've walked into a dinner party, and it's like a giant table. Let's say there's like 30, pe- 30 chairs around this table, and you're ushered to your seat. And you're like, Ooh, this this is fun. You know, I got invited. This is so great. And you're looking around... Oh, my goodness, there's Brian Stevenson, author of Just Mercy. Like,
0: what? That guy's,
3: what? No way. <gasps> Dave, look, there's Taylor Swift. He's, he's a Swifty. And so, <laughs> that's cool. Look, these are, oh, my goodness, right across from me is Yo-Yo Ma. Now, I almost didn't recognize him because he didn't have his cello. But what? Look at this, what? And then the host says, I welcome all of you. He says a prayer. And then he says, the most important person at the table is the one next to you. So instead of me trying to vie for Yo-Yo Ma's attention, I, I focus on the person next to me. And instead of Taylor Swift thinking she's the greatest, she's focusing on the person next to her. a pretty great perspective change here and what if we would come to church and we would feel that way toward the person sitting next to you and maybe even the people across the aisle from you and what if that would really I mean I really think that could transform who we are and what if we enter our work and our school and our community and our neighborhoods, really seeing them as important people that we, that we look, oh, look, I get to connect with you. You're the most important person on the street. We're called to a life of humility and obedience And I think it's important for us to consider how we not just chat GPT our faith, where we like slap on acts of service or we, you know, virtue signal that we're good Christians, that we just kind of do the thing or we do the program at church or we, I do the thing. How do we have it be transformational? And Jesus models this for us by taking the very nature of a servant. And I think sometimes it can be helpful to say, let's imagine Jesus in our context. Like, who are the people that Jesus would hang out with? And who would he challenge? Whose tables is he flipping over? I'm pretty sure Jesus is heading to the margins of society and that he's inviting us to join him there. Some theologians call this the quartet of the vulnerable. Widows, orphans, immigrants, and the poor. We say it again. Widows, orphans, immigrants, and the poor. These are all throughout Scripture, Old Testament and New. These are important people. These are the people next to Jesus you'll hear God's compassion for these people in the Old Testament and the new and our church has been sponsoring a refugee family from Syria and helping them to resettle in our community and um, there was a their, their parents were already living here in West Michigan so it was such a joy to see these family members uh, reunite Tammy Raymond has uh, began helping when they first came by helping give rides home on Sunday night after they'd spent the day with their family together. They need, the, Our family needed a ride home after visiting their parents. So she went every Sunday night, helped them get a ride back home. And at the beginning, it was super awkward. Like, they don't really speak English yet. So a lot of quiet in the car, and then she'd get home, and they'd be like, come, come in, come in. She'd be like, what? And they were inviting her in for tea and cookies because hospitality is such a high value for them. And sometimes Tammy didn't have time for that, but she kept showing up, all the awkward, all the like, oh, I'm learning culture. I don't know how to do all this, you know? But she kept doing that. She kept showing up. And eventually the son of the first family, so the brother of our family, teenager, Um asked if she would help him learn how to drive. So she spent more hours with him, helping him learn how to drive. And I mean, she basically worked herself out of a job, which is, which is really great. And I just received word on Friday that the first family was, no, our family, sorry, our family was able to buy a car. And John and Lynn grothuis helped Ahmad learn how to drive and get his license and walk through the registration process of the van. Again, humble, sacrificial service, helping others in such a practical way. You know, there's a whole team of people who have done all kinds of ways of serving and caring for this family. And I asked Tammy why she would get involved. It's a mandate of Jesus. It's fully for serving the kingdom of God. And just like we talked about Jesus' movement down Tammy didn't talk about gaining something from serving each week. She didn't do it for the tea and cookies. It was just a humble, sacrificial act of service. And when someone's humble, they're focused on God and others, not themselves. And they have no need to be recognized or approved. And even though I got permission, I am sure Tammy and John and Lynn are horrified that I'm telling their story and using their names. A humble person's goal is to elevate God and encourage others. Last week, I sat at a table with a dozen colleagues from Global Partners discussing how to mobilize Gen Z for missions. In a Future of Missions study, data revealed that Christian parents' goals for their children's futures were indistinguishable from non-Christian parents. The top concerns regarding any involvement for their children in missions were career success and physical safety. We're seeing that parental hesitation and discouragement can be a real barrier to young adults pursuing sharing their faith in another cultural context. Are we letting success and safety prevent living out a calling? to go that some might have. I mean, we are all called to live this life of humble, sacrificial service like Jesus. And some are called to share their faith in different cultures. You see, every knee will bow, not just clean ones, and every tongue will acknowledge, not just the ones who speak English every hand learning to steer a car, every mind, every brain, every heart will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Philippi needed to be reminded of who Jesus was. They were surrounded by secular thought and multiple deities. God isn't real. God, choose your own God. You know, there were conflicting messages, and all that really mattered was power. But Jesus turned all of that upside down. He called them to care for each other and serve their community. And this is an invitation for everyone to join Jesus in this life of caring for each other and humble service to others now. We don't get saved and just wait for heaven. We're in that dash time between birth and death. We follow Jesus, the way of the humble, sacrificial servant. We listen and obey the Father, just like Jesus. He directs us to the margins, not power. And the paradox is that's where we find real joy. So let's not stop at getting our theology right as important as that is. This is not just about right thinking. It's about right living. And I don't mean in some kind of moralistic sense. Where is God leading you to respond? I'm going to give you just a couple moments to ponder and pray. God, we invite you to move in us, change us, shape us, prompt us to action. Help us to live with a kingdom imagination where we lift up the people in our lives sitting right next to us and for some who are far away. Amen. All right, I'd like to invite you to a time of communion where, I mean, it's just pretty exciting that in this series on who is Jesus, we're going to take communion every week, centering the Lord's Supper, this sacrificial act, ultimate sacrificial act of Jesus. So join us in a time of communion. Everyone's welcome. Um, You don't have to be a member here, but we ask that it be an important part of your faith journey. So you can stand, get your elements in your hand, and join us in worship. Please stand.
0: Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Jesus, the name above every other name Jesus, the only one who could ever save You're worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you
3: Jesus went to that cross he was with his friends and he sat with them around a table (laughs) and in 1 Corinthians 11 we read the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed he took bread and when he had given thanks like he's going to the cross he knew that he gave thanks Thanks. He broke the bread and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You can take the wafer. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take the cup. Jesus, humble, sacrificial servant, we praise you. We remember what you did, and we welcome your transforming spirit into our lives To continue to live that out in our lives today, here in West Michigan. We are connected. Thank you, God, by your spirit. Let's continue to sing. Next week, as we continue to dive more into who Jesus is, Uh, in the lobby as you go, you're going to be given a bag to help restock our food pantry. What a perfect way for us to serve our community. All right, you can put out your hands to receive today's benediction. Now may the Lord God, Father, and Son empower you by the power of Holy Spirit to live out a humble, sacrificial life. Amen. You're dismissed.